I wanted it to do tonight was just to get you into a mode of laughing and to remember how good it feels to laugh. Laughing is a part of joy. It's also a part of happiness. But happiness is fleeting, and joy remains through every season. Yeah, it's easy to be joyful when everything's going well, but it's that deep abiding joy especially that we need to explore during this Advent season that Jesus was bringing to the world. Joy is coming to the world in the form of a baby born by Mary. It's amazing to me how little joy Christians tend to walk in. There seems to be a lack of joy, and I think part of it is because there's been a lack of preaching the good news. There's things preached in the name of the gospel that are not good news. And yet, oh, well, that's the gospel. No, it is not. If it's not good news, it's not the gospel. So tonight, just as, as, as Americans, I know there's people listening to this podcast all over the world, but you know, from an American standpoint, we, we are really adamant about our right to life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. And that's great. I love that. I think it's a great uh, preamble to our Constitution that allows us to say hey, we should be able to pursue the happiness that we want in our life, but that happiness is fleeting um, because humanity's efforts can never make that happiness last. But joy can remain even in the hard times. I put it like this happiness is a chase, joy is a choice. Just a simple way to remember that we can choose joy at any time in our life. And, and it's, it's hardest to choose joy when you feel like maybe you're not worthy of it or you've done something. Shame loves to come in and suppress joy, doesn't it? Condemnation loves to come in and suppress joy. No, Jesus is joyful over you all the time. The Father is joyful over you all the time. Not even angry, not even in a bad mood. And so when we recall the kind of joy that Jesus said, I'm leaving you with this gift, the gift of the Spirit, this Spirit that will uh, bring you into a greater hope, bring you into greater love, bring you into greater joy. This is the kind of grace that we can, we can stand on and remember all the time. And I want us as a church body of people who are following Jesus just to remember it's time to tap into a little more joy. I know the people that I meet, um, you know, out doing life, my neighbors, time with, with you guys, um, it brings me great joy to hear your stories and hear all the faithfulness and the things that God has, has done in your life. And I get to experience a greater element of who Jesus is because I know you. We need to have that same attitude with every interaction that we have. And joy is just infectious. In fact, C.S. Lewis said it this way, joy is the serious business of heaven. And if we are to be people who are going to be the answer to the prayer of Jesus. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then joy is going to be a major conduit of bringing heaven to earth. Let's talk about a few things about joy in this, this Advent season. Joy destroys shame and enjoys mercy. We need to be joyful over mercy. I think I see people who claim to be Christians not necessarily following Jesus because they love judgment. 
I know you know these people. They really enjoy the fact that so-and-so is going to be judged. And, da, 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 da. and yet God says, we're supposed to love mercy. And there's, there's an element of having shame in your life that prevents joy and access to joy. There's an element of um, not letting mercy be a, uh, a driver in your life, of everlasting loving kindness and mercy. Um, I, I get excited when I hear that someone was extended some mercy because you know what? I'd like to have some mercy extended to me often. And I'm thankful for that. But listen to this verse from Psalm 8. Just let this kind of wash over to you, over you tonight. Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. I'm boasting of you and all your works. So let all who are discouraged take heart. Join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make him famous. Let's make his name glorious to all. Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his, and what? Joy will come. Join your life with him, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. When I had nothing desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord, and he heard me, bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. The angel of Yahweh stooped down and listened as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide in him. Man, I love that translation, passion translation there of Psalm. Just reading this verse makes me want to be more joyful. Does, this, does it do the same for you when you hear this and this? Because right? we've, been, we've been at those places where we cried out in our distress. We cried out in our anguish in the hard times. And, and we were met with joyful mercy. Psalm 50 or 30 verse 5 says, I've learned that anger lasts for a moment, but his loving favor lasts a lifetime. We may weep through the night, but at day, daybreak, it will turn into shouts of ecstatic joy. I think that metaphor of, of the night and the day, um, sometimes it's, it's not right away. It's not the next morning. And maybe there's been lots of mornings where you've had dark nights and dark nights, but there's that one time when everything shifts and joy comes. But this is a decision that we get to make. This is something you don't have to conjure up. You don't have to try and hype yourself and motivate yourself. No, um, you have the embedded joy of heaven within you right now because the Holy Spirit is in you in the fullest aspect. The creator of the universe has chosen to live in these vessels, and he is not sad. <laughs> He's not sad. Jesus demonstrated sadness at times, but he was always full of joy. Joy is that, that connector that even though my disposition may look, you know, down, even though I may be struggling with something or a relationship, there can be a deep abiding joy of knowing just that I'm loved by him. That no matter what, I can do nothing to mess this up. Man, that kind of joy becomes a strength in our life. When you're, jo when you're joyful in trouble, you grow. I don't think we, we really like this very much. But when you are joyful in trouble, 
This is when you grow. This is when you grow in self-control, to be able to say, I'm just going to not give myself to a reactionary thing right now. I'm going to give myself to joy. I'm going to remind myself of joy. Romans 5 puts it this way. That's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And if you're like, man, uh, yeah, thanks, Lord. I don't need any more patience. I'm good. We will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You see this connection here about joyful confidence and the love that has been given to us in fullness? We need to allow this love to melt the fear out of our hearts and then release joy. I don't know what it takes for you to tap into joy, um, but sometimes for me, it's just, it's just getting connected with other people. Sometimes it, for me, it's like taking myself out of isolation and putting myself into a situation where I, I have to be around other people. Now, I'm always around my family, you know, and th- that's probably the hardest place to work on this, isn't it? The hardest place to maybe experience it. And yet, there's something about unity that spreads joy. I believe unity does spread joy when we unify over things instead of divide. You know, our, our country is so divided Right now, in, in politically, you know, we're divided over all these categories of, of distinctions of, between human beings. I, I've come to this place where I'm trying to maintain a very high theology of being human-affirming. If you're human, I affirm you fully because Jesus affirms you fully. He became human. He became one of us to rescue all of us. How much higher does it get than to be human affirming? And I just want to kind of drop that in your mind to think about it that way because once we start getting into all the other distinctions, male, female, black, white, gay, straight, management, labor, Republican, Democrat, we've taken it to a level that is divisive. But if we keep it at this level called human, I can love everyone the most. I don't have to force my opinions or theology on them. And even though we may disagree or hold differing convictions, we can still stay connected. See, I think that's the important thing we need to remember as followers of Jesus. Jesus didn't disconnect from people. He stayed connected until there was some type of reason for the other person to part or the other person to draw closer. And I feel like that's an attitude and a mentality we have to have as followers of Jesus, and one that should make us more joyful, because then I don't have to worry about all the distinctions, and well, I, I can't associate with that person because of this, this, and this. No, I can connect with people on the basis of them being human, and I can unify around that. It's the only thing that unifies us. The only thing that unifies us is that we are all human, and we are all created in God's image, and unity spreads joy. Listen to this verse. In Philippians, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. 
but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Wow. That's a good one to remember. This is where we have to take on that mentality of Jesus that he came to serve, not to be served. And we're not serving to get God to like us or to enter into his pleasure. We're serving from his pleasure. We are serving his pleasure to other people, letting them know you belong. You, you, you matter. You count. You've been created in God's image. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is something you need to wake up to and understand. How are we going to do that? I think we're going to do better when we employ joy. We make the decision to employ joy. There's another thing about joy I want to point out, and that is that joy, joy restored changes your attitude and your atmosphere. There's times when you just have, have to have your joy restored. Remember David crying out, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And you know, the, the longer I get in this journey of following Jesus, um, the more I am going back to very simple things, very simple aspects about who is God? God is love. Who is Jesus? Jesus was God in the, in the flesh, reconciling the world to himself, full of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? My counselor, my comforter, my advocate that resides with me and in me and gives me access to all that heaven has. Man, these kind of things, when we get restored in that baseline joy, man, it, it's, it's powerful. You can't, you can't look back. You can't go back. And so the restoration of joy is something I am, I am praying for the body of Christ, really, as a whole. You know, I remember being on trips around the world, and we were on this little um, island. It was the island of Ebi. I probably don't even know where it is, but we held a meeting on this island. This island is 80% children under the age of eight, and a population of, like, I forget what, what it was, but we held this meeting in this, in this soccer field, and... There were people, pastors and ministers from all these other little islands in the South Pacific, but there was all these kids there running around. And their parents were there to, to hear the goodness of God, to hear a message about who Jesus is. And it was pouring rain. I mean pouring. There must have been, you know, six inches of water on the pitch just standing. And I'm, I'm there, you know, I had to wear a suit on these events, so I'm <laughs> wearing a suit. Like, why are we wearing a suit? It's soaked. I'm destroying this suit. But I had these big rubber boots on, you know, and I'm helping usher and just support the meeting. And I just remember the joy. I remember looking around at all these kids and the joy that they had and the joy that was being released in that meeting. And I just remember, like, thinking, this is a deep, deep abiding joy. Because you don't get this because the circumstances are all right. It's pouring rain. It's, it feels like this meeting's not even successful, you know. And as I was walking through a line of ministers that were being prayed for, I got to the very end of the line, and I just kind of stepped aside. And some of these, some of these ministers had fallen out. They were like, oh, you know, they fell out. Anyone familiar with falling out in the spirit? And I was kind of like, man, do I need to stick a straw in their nose? Because, I mean, the water's like right up to here on them. But they were, they were fine, so I'm like, oh, Lord, take care of them. But at the very end of the line, I, I kind of stepped away and stepped aside, and then the minister there um, pointed at me and just looked at me and said, Derek, step up here. And he said, Derek, the call of God to preach the gospel is still there. It's time for it to begin to come forth. 
Take every opportunity as it comes and know that all that I've called you to do will be fulfilled. Well, Sarah and I had just had a conversation prior to that meeting, and Sarah was like, Derek, if we stay at this ministry, something in us is going to die. Of course, I get all faith guy on her. I'm like, nothing in us is going to die, woman. I, don't, I actually don't, never say woman to my wife. I just like to think that I could. That's why I do it in public. <laughs> <laughs> But I did shoot back with that reaction, that faith reaction. It's like, you, you, like, you can't even say the word die. Nothing in us is going to die. But I knew, I knew she was right, and I knew I needed, I needed something. And that word for me was the catalyst for everything we've done up to this point, moving to Charlotte and, and planting a church and just the relationships and the weddings and the funerals and the, the life that we're living here that we absolutely love. That is a reminder for me of the deep abiding joy. Maybe you need to go back to a promise that was spoken over you. Maybe you need to restore something in your life or your marriage that seems like it might be lost. Start with creating an atmosphere of joy. C.S. Lewis said this, all joy reminds. All joy reminds. It is never a possession Always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. When I read this quote from C.S. Lewis, I, I think about the fact that we need to be reminded. Joy reminds us. All joy reminds us about what's really important. When you have an atmosphere of joy, you tend to get your priorities worked out and say, well, you know what, that just doesn't matter as much as I thought it did. Psalm 51, the psalmist here says, let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I can show other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. Man, what a joy-inducing verse. Tasting joy in every breakthrough. How could we know this deep abiding joy if we didn't understand the deep abiding sorrow? Particularly the sorrow that Jesus had to carry on the cross. When I go there and realize he carried all my sorrows. He carried all my grief. He carried all sin for all mankind for all ages. And when he said it is finished... That's something that we can be joyful about. And I want to invite you into a greater exploration of the finished work of Jesus. Like, what does that mean? I guarantee you there's joy on the other side of those revelations. Salvation is basically rescue, isn't it? Something about rescued people is they are thankful. And I think thankful people are joyful. So if you have to go back to your rescue, you have to go back to find a place of being thankful about something, I believe joy is right on the heels of that. Finally, I'm going to close with this. Um, Dane, if you want to come up, come on up, man. Dane's going to strum behind me tonight. You know, the very first time I ever spoke as, like, in a service where there was a keyboard behind me, and someone snuck up on stage and started playing keys, and I was kind of walking around doing this and doing this, and they hit that first chord, and I was like... I was not skilled in, in the ways of stage. 
ministry. Here's the final thought, and this is this. I want to go home with this big, and before we leave tonight, I want you guys to just say something joyful about somebody. Like, dude, great beard. Love that. Anything. Let's get a joy fest going on in here. But here's the thing. You bring Jesus joy. And until you... <laughs> Because there's a lot of times you feel like you don't bring Jesus joy. Am I right? And it's in those seasons where you feel like, I, I'm not even, I can't even go and be before the, the Lord right now. No, the Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace. When you need mercy, when you need joy, when you need to know that in spite of how you feel about yourself, Jesus never feels that way about you. Ever. The Father never feels that way about you. And it's a rotten lie that infects our brains to make us think that, well, I'm not worthy or, you know, I should, I should be down on myself for a little while. No. Return to the joy of the Lord quickly. Jesus brings you joy. We can see this in Hebrews. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and our expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused, listen, his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits at the exalted right hand of the throne of God. You are the joy of the Lord. It wasn't obedience that Jesus was joyful over. It was your reunion and an awakening to the union that you had with the Father, being restored into union with the Father. Jesus looked beyond the cross and for the joy set before him, and I'd say just throw your name. Just write, go ahead and write your name at Hebrews 12, 2 and remind yourself that you are that joy. Take it personally. It'll change you. It'll change the way you treat other people as well. And finally, just a statement before we receive communion. Um, if you didn't receive communion elements when you walked in and you'd like to join us in communion, just raise your hand. Keep your hand up in the air, and the ushers will serve you communion elements. We receive communion every time we gather. Um, it's, a, it's a sacrament that reminds us of our union with Jesus. It's a sacrament that reminds us of our forgiveness and the love that melts fear out of our hearts. It's a sacrament of our oneness with Christ. Literally, you are one with Jesus. Would you guys just repeat this statement after me? Just say it loud and proud, ready? Joy to the world. The Lord has come and will come again. For this we can be joyful. Thank you.